The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. We're broadcasting today from Fountain Hills, Arizona. It's a little warm around the edges here, but we can kind of handle it. Today's show is brought to you by Slim Roast Coffee. The results coming in from those who are drinking Slim Roast now for weight loss are really kind of astonishing. Sunday, a man called me to ask if it's normal to lose five pounds in four days. I assured him that with Slim Roast, it is. Nuff said. You can find more about it on the self-improvement blog. Just go there, take a look, do some clicking around. While you're there, be sure you read about today's guest. See her picture and you'll be all set for the show. I have a comic strip called Mutts from the Daily Newspaper some years ago that I've really cherished for a number of years now. In the first frame, a bee is sitting in the middle of a flower with a paper in his hand and he says, hmm, what's on my to-do list today? And in the second frame, he reads, just be, spelled B-E-E. And in the last frame, he flies off buzzing to just be a bee. I was reminded of this when I read the introduction to a book co-authored by today's guest, How Do We Be? That is certainly a question that all of us interested in self-improvement should ponder. How do we just be? How do I, Irene Conlon, be what I and not how do I be Irene Conlon and not what I interpret what other people think I'm supposed to be you know it's a profound question that really should be answered by everybody we're going to talk about that and more today and we have Catherine Ketchum here to give us some help but before I introduce Catherine or Kathy as she likes to be called I want to say this about the book The book is Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling. I haven't finished it, and the reason I have not is because I don't want to miss a single word or a single thought. I read a book almost every week, and, you know, sometimes I rush through them. I cannot rush through this book. It's just too good. You don't want to rush through a wonderful gourmet meal, and you won't want to rush through this book either. I absolutely recommend this book to everyone who reads, period. It's that good. 
Now, with that said, tell you a little bit about Catherine Ketchum. She's been writing nonfiction books for over 30 years. Her books have been published in 16 foreign languages and have sold over a million and a half copies. Ketchum has authored or co-authored 12 books to date. I can't even get my first one going. She is the founder and family support coordinator of Trilogy Recovery Community, which is a grassroots nonprofit organization dedicated to helping youth with alcohol and other drug problems. She lives in Walla Walla, Washington with her husband and three children. Her latest book, Experiencing Spirituality, co-authored with Ernest Kurtz, was just released in paperback on June 16th. I think it's also in a Kindle edition, and I really encourage you to get it in one format or the other. It is such an absolute pleasure to introduce to the to welcome to the Self Improvement Show, Catherine Ketchum. Kathy, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so good. This book is so good. I, I just, I mean, I was kind of surprised when I had to just sit after almost every paragraph and think about what you just said. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, this has got some great stuff. Tell us about yourself. Who is Catherine Ketchum? Well, that is the toughest question of all. I know. I ask it of everybody, and everybody hates it. (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) Um, Well, let me try. Um, First, I'm the mother of three grown children who I love and adore, Robin, Allison, and Ben, Um, married to a wonderful man who's a geology professor and the current dean of faculty at Whitman College, in Walla Walla, Washington, where we live. I'm also a writer. I co-authored my first book, Under the Influence, in 1981. Um, I've co-authored 16 books since then, which seems amazing to me, I tell you. I <laughs> I, I don't know how I did it. But anyway, um, subjects ranging from addiction and recovery to empathy, traditional Chinese medicine, fallibility of memory, chronic pain, and spirituality. And I also work hard in my community. I write a local newspaper column called Straight Talk About Drugs. I lead groups with teens at the Juvenile Justice Center. And I'm the founder of Trilogy Recovery Community which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping young people stay clean and sober. That's a monumental work. and I mean, it sounds to me like you don't have time to sleep. I know you must <laughs> take time to do that, but I don't see when. Let's talk a little bit about that before we start talking about the book. Sure. How did you get so involved in working with youth who have addiction problems? Well, that's so interesting, that question. Thank you so much for asking it. You know, I wrote wrote books about addiction, and uh, my husband, after he read my first book, said, I'm going to quit drinking. I have too much genetic stuff going on here, and I'm going to stop. And so I felt like, I felt like, oh, my gosh, my life is following my art. And then uh, many years later, when 
my son, Ben, and I have his permission, by the way, his uh, birthday is today. He's 29 oh. years old, and he's eight years clean and sober. But he, he started to go through drug problems, pretty serious, very serious drug problems. And so I think that propelled me, you know, it was almost, as I said, as if my life followed my art. And um, th- there was something there to, to investigate. I sometimes thought about that as like somebody up there was saying, man, she writes about addiction. Let's send her a lightning bolt and <laughs> have, her have, her her have to understand really <laughs> what this is about. And I feel like, I feel like, I do. I I don't have it all, but um, but I do get what it is to be a family member who has somebody who's struggling, and um, so that that was a huge part of my story. Oh, it's a huge part of anybody's life when when you're dealing with that. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the trilogy recovery community. It, it oh. sounds. It, I, I don't know why I say this because I don't know anything about it, but it sounds good. Oh, it was, you know, it was um, a piece of my heart that I had to, I had to fight for. And uh, back when I was um, working for that, back in 19, oh, 1998, 2000, 2002, that I could not get people to agree that people who are addicted and need help need support. I could not, I mean, I would go to people and they would say, I can get you money for people who are the victims of addiction, but I can't get you money for addicted people. And I was like, oh my gosh, where people have not read the science of this disease. This is, you know, it's a it's a genetically influenced disease, and I was just crazy about it. So I formed this trilogy recovery community in our community, and I I just fought and fought and fought for it. And so now, is this an inpatient kind of treatment center, or is no, this a counseling no, center? What, um, what what exactly do you do? I wish it were. I wish we had an inpatient component, but the money for that is very difficult. We What we do is we provide recovery support services to youth and to families who need help. So we have people come to us and say, you know, I have a child who's using, and what do I do? What do I say? And so from the depth of wisdom of people who have been through that, we can help them, and um, we have resources, but uh, I have to tell you, Irene, there there are not enough resources out there for the people who need help. There's, there's, sometimes I despair at the way our country treats addiction. I, this is a disease that is one of the most devastating, deadly diseases that we have, and we, we don't treat it that way. We treat it as a, you know, a choice. You know, you choose to be an addict. Well, 
I don't know if you know many addicted people, but we don't choose to be addicted. And I'm, you know, I have, I'm speaking from a position of I'm in, I'm not in recovery, but I, I love the whole aspect of trying to help people who need help, so desperately need help, and I want to be part of that. I want to, that's Why it. do you think it is, with the problem being so great, especially among our young people, and, and we see the devastating effects of it, you know, mm-hmm. especially with some of the drugs um, that just rob them of life, why yeah. do you think there's no support for the kind of help they need. I mean, there there are a number of inpatient treatment centers, but I, you know, I really like the in-the-community kind of approach that you have. Mm-hmm. Why is there, is, is there more support for inpatient facilities than for support facilities? You know, I, I don't feel that there's enough support at any level, not at the outpatient level, not at the inpatient level, we have so many people who need help who don't have the money to afford inpatient treatment, who don't know where to go. There's just this mass. If you're a family member who's trying to navigate this field, this minefield of where do I go, you know, who do I see, I, there's just not the system that we need. We need a case management system where people are helped through each stage of it. We need really good treatment options. We need really good enforcement options. I'm a total believer in uh, in having the um, police and the um, law enforcement agencies involved with it. I've worked at the Juvenile Justice Center. I see the good they do. There's no question about it. When I talk to parents, they say, please arrest our kids. They need the help. They, they desperately need the help. So, On that note, we're going to go to break. And I want the, the listeners to think about maybe there's a way to increase funding for this, think about the fact that you could possibly be a part of helping in this very serious problem. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Catherine Ketchum, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Catherine Ketchum. We're talking about her wonderful book, Experiencing Spirituality. But just before the break, we were talking about her work um, with children who are addicted, young people who are addicted. And I, I want her to tell you how to reach her, because some of you may be inspired to, to donate or to help raise funds for this such needy cause of helping our young people who are addicted. Catherine, how could people find you? Well, I have an email, uh, and I'm happy to hear from people via email. It's ketchak, K-E-T-C-H-A-K, at gmail.com. I'm also involved with Trilogy Recovery Community, as I mentioned. That's in Walla Walla, Washington. The um, website I believe is trilogy recovery dot org. Um, and oh, trilogy I don't have that doing, in my notes. Trilogy is doing amazing work, and we're one of the few organizations that deal specifically with youth and with family problems and family. Um, the family members have to be included in this as the mother of a child, and I. Irene, I don't know if I mentioned this, but my son, who is now 29, happy birthday, Benny, um, is eight years clean and sober, and um, he that that experience of going through having being an expert in addiction in terms of I write books about it and having it walk into my house was. Stunning to me. It was like I would. I remember saying to somebody, "Please make it anything but addiction, schizophrenia. I don't want, but anything but that." And it's interesting it, to me that you wrote yeah. a book about experiencing spirituality, and actually, you got to experience addiction. Firsthand, yeah. and all of this, all of this ha- ties into each other. But it's interesting how we get the experience that we need to do what it is we need to do, whether we oh. know we're going to be doing that or not. Um, <laughs> sometimes we get the experience first and wonder 
why did that happen to me? <laughs> and then down, down the road, we find out and, and we're much better prepared. I understand that Ernest Kurtz, the co-author of the book, passed away in January of this year. And I know that must have been a huge loss for you because this is the second book you've written with him. But, you know, tell us about your collaboration with him and and how it was writing a book with somebody else. How did the two of you get together to do this? I wrote Ernie a letter in 1988. Gosh, that seems a long time ago. And I said... He had been recommended to me as the person who knew more about recovery and spirituality than anyone. So I wrote him and I said, would you like to write a book with me? And he called me up and he said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, that, I mean, he, Ernie is, I mean, he, he's no longer with us, but for me, he's still with me. He, he taught me so much about life and about spirituality and about what it means to be human. So we started our collaboration in 1988, and we wrote The Spirituality of Imperfection, which is a book that so many people love. Um, It's about Alcoholics Anonymous and the age-old spiritual traditions that inform the 12 steps and uh, but it goes way beyond AA and that these books working with Ernie changed my life um, no question about that I you know I wasn't I wasn't sure when we started out what spirituality was I remember thinking what what is this crystals and new age gurus and you know, I was a little, a little concerned about it, and he, he um, grounded it in this age-old wisdom of stories and storytelling, and through the stories, we see ourselves, and that I think that's the most amazing thing. I, I just the stories changed my life. Ernie changed my life, no question. Well, you know, when I read the title of your book, um, Storytelling, and I thought, well, my actual reaction was ho-hum, you know, (laughs) and it doesn't sound too exciting to me. But as I got into the book, the stories make it sing. The stories that you chose for the points you wanted to make are so perfect. They take you to a whole different place in your thinking. and. Um, they're they're really quite awesome. How did the two of you come to write a book on just spirituality? I mean, you, you refer to addiction some, but it isn't a, bu- a book about that. It's a book about spirituality. Well, our first how, how did you was, come to that? Our first book, The Spirituality of Imperfection, was about the ancient spiritual traditions that form the heart and the soul of Alcoholics Anonymous. So Bill Wilson was, he was a simple Vermonter, and Dr. Bob was this Ohioan, you know, they were were not the most 
brilliant thinkers, but they tapped into this age-old tradition of spirituality, which we call the spirituality of imperfection, that, that looks at how we're error-prone. We are, we are mistake-creating creatures. We have flaws and imperfections. And so, so that, that book, and oh my gosh, can you imagine? I mean, I always equated spirituality with this, um, you know, sort of guru, enlightenment up to the top of the mountain, and then to hear, no, you know, this is about imperfection, flawedness. I love that word, flawedness. Flawedness, yeah. Flawedness. <laughs> and error, we are error-prone, we are mistake-creating creatures. I love that. And so... How can how can we not relate to that? And especially, I think, in that book, as alcoholics, um, that that's that's the basis of where people need to start. Is we we're not perfect, and because we're not perfect, what does that mean? So that leads us to something um, something else. We can't control. We're not in total control. Oh, we're not God. We're not God. That we're was Bernie's uh-huh. first book. We're not God. Not God. Um, and what a brilliant concept that, okay, so I don't have to be God. <laughs> I can just be human. Um, and then it, with the second book, I felt that we needed to take that whole concept and make it more um, universal. That you know, it's not just um, people who are in recovery who can who can tap into this great wisdom, but it's all of us. We can all grow and change, and you know, find wisdom there. So I think that's that's why we turned to that second book. How long was it between the first book and the <laughs> second book? Oh well, we finished the first book in nineteen. Um, 92 it was published, and we didn't publish this book till 2014. So, so you had a lot of room to grow in those years, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting how we're presented with the things that make us grow at just the time we seem to need them the most. And it never stops. You just have these little growth spurts all along the way. The and only thing is you don't exactly, usually see them as growth spurts. That's exactly right. And I think we tried to push it. You know, we we wanted to write a book together. So we tried to, and especially I, I Ernie is so brilliant. And, I mean, he was just this incredible teacher and I wanted to learn more from him I didn't want to leave him so I kept sending him ideas and um but it took us 20 years over 20 years to come to a place where we felt like this is it this is the book and it was because the stories called out to us the stories had to be told they they just they were just these little things that said Tell me, tell me. <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me. And, and they all, they, they do. They do tell you. 
Yeah. Um, you know, when you were talking about being, how to just be, you know, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, you know, the stories made that. That was, that introduction was so powerful for me. I, I have to go back and read it a few more times because it really was. You know, I've, I've struggled with trying to explain spirituality. Um, and I re- discovered that you could not. And if you line up a hundred people and individually ask them what is spirituality, you'll get a hundred different answers. Really, um, tell us. You know, and you you took this on. <laughs> you took this well, on in the first chapter. So how how do you see now spirituality? Give us your best description of spirituality. Well, I think to be absolutely true to the book and to Ernie, spirituality is an experience. It moves us. It alters something inside us. It fills some deep yearning. So I was listening to the radio the other day, and this, this is how stories come to us, just out of the blue. Really, um, and author David Brooks, who wrote the Road to Character, um, was describing a drive home from work, and he rounded this place in the, his driveway, and the kids couldn't see him. His children were playing in the backyard, and he watched them. They were playing ball. And the sun was filtering through the trees, and the ball was arcing into the air, and they were laughing. And he felt, he described feeling this stirring inside him, uh, which was a sense of giftedness, mm. of, a, of a gift delivered but not deserved. And I believe that spirituality at its core is an experience of awe and wonder at the beauty of the world, at the miracle of existence. It's a kind of reverence for life, for the gift of life, not just the happiness and the joy, but with all its sorrows and grief and shame and sadness. It's, It's all of life. On that note, I think it's time for us to take a break. I want our listeners to think about that little um, description of spirituality. We'll be right back with more, so stay tuned for more with Catherine Ketchum. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core making us confused and disoriented not knowing which way is up on The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. 
Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Catherine Ketchum. And we're having this wonderful conversation about her book, Experiencing Spirituality. And I'm going to throw this at you, Catherine, because I, I, I skipped this one. Uh, <clears throat> what you're talking about spirituality, and spirituality is not an easy thing to define, to discuss, to put, you know, to put anything on. It's, it's a concept that I mean, you can't, you can't see it. You can't, I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those. So why, why did you use so many stories? Why are they so important to experiencing spirituality? Gotta know that one. Why so many stories? I know how I reacted to them. But. How did you react to them, might I ask? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I'd read something and i think, okay, yeah. And then you tell the story, and it would just click in. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I get it. <laughs> it just, was one of those. It, it brought the words to life for me. So you just expressed it. It was that, aha. And I think stories, when you, when you read a story that's, and we're not talking about just any story here. We're talking about stories that help help us look into other people's lives and then gain a sense of our own lives, of the meaning of our own lives. So so I think these stories deepen our awareness of who we are. We see our own joys. We see our sorrows, our struggles, our triumphs in the story, and we gain a better understanding of how and why. And this is really critical how and why we need each other. So, so many people equate spirituality with, I'm going to work on my self-worth, I'm going to become a better person, I'm going to go inside. Spirituality really takes us beyond ourselves to understand how we need other people. And in these stories, in these stories, we see that. We, this the stories don't let us stay self-involved. The stories force us, pull us out of ourselves into another person's experience. And sometimes we see their experience in ourselves, which I found extremely fascinating. Can, can, we, can we have a little story here? Can you pick one of your favorite stories? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know, okay. one one of the ones that I really liked is about Jose and his tattoo. Could we tell it oh. now instead of later? Okay, so that's a story that's not in the book, actually. Um, <laughs> that's a story that comes from my working with Jose at the Juvenile what? Justice Center. And 
So leading a group, um, I feel like I could almost start this story with Once Upon a Time. So that's how, that's how okay. I'll do it. Once Upon a Time, Jose, who is 18, a Latino gang member and a drug addict, was sitting in a circle with seven other kids in orange jumpsuits and with me, a middle-aged woman. We were talking about drugs, addiction, recovery, life. And suddenly, out of the blue, Jose said, I have this tattoo. And I said, so what does it say? And he very shyly looked at me and said, well, it's on my, you know, I have to pull my jumpsuit aside to show it to you. And I said, okay. I mean, (laughs) I didn't know if that was okay, actually, but I said, okay. So he just pulled from one shoulder to the next, and his tattoo read in bold uh, capital letters, if only you could see inside me, and it ran from one collarbone to the next. Wow. And I said, so tell me about that. And he said, well, if you could look at me from the outside, you don't know who I am. But if you could look at me from the inside, you could know who I am. So that story affected me so deeply. Here's this kid who I don't even know. Was he 16? Was he 17 when he put that? That uh, tattoo on his chest, I don't know. But how many of us judge each other by the outside? And how often, really, like in a situation like that, are we privileged to see the inside, which is, to me, the heart, the soul, the yearnings, the grief, the fear, the confusions. How often do we look beyond this surface to see who someone is, to know their pain, to connect to that person as a human being wholly like ourselves, but on the inside? And I work, I have, I have to say this, Irene, I work with parents who have addicted children, and I'm the mother of an addicted child who is now eight years clean and sober, but when he was using, I couldn't talk to people because they would judge him and they would judge me. And the, the people I work with, they are just struggling, struggling to try to say, my child is a good kid. He's a good kid. Good kid, bad disease. And I think if only you could see inside me is such a critically important thing to remember. If only we could see inside each other. I don't know. I'm sorry. I oh, no, 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 no. I think I think this is critically important, not just for people with addictions, but for all of us. And it takes me back to the introduction about being, about yeah. can you just be? What's it like to just be and get to know who you are? I mean, I don't think most of us even know who we are, much less do we see somebody else. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just... I agree. It's, it's amazing. Um, but for a young man to be that wise and understand that he's more than what people see and what they judge... 
And, and we really are so quick to judge. You know, if yeah. somebody has a problem, we write yeah. them off. And, and that's, that, that's really not okay. Um, when, I, when, when I was um, trying to start Trilogy, I remember I knew we needed a recovery organization for children and for families. And um, I remember this person who I respect just so much. He said to me, Kathy, I can get you all sorts of money for people who are the victims of addiction, but I can't get you any money at all for the people who perpetrate those crimes. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to, you know, leap over this obstacle? (laughs) How are we ever going to do that? Yeah. But we did. We did. We we got Trilogy started and Faces and Voices of Recovery is doing a wonderful job. And, you know, but still there's such stigma about people who use drugs and also about the family members of people who use drugs. And I think we have to remember that, like Jose taught us, we're all human beings. If, if only you could see inside me. And that's what... If you're a member of that tribe, that tribe of pain, um, there's a wonderful New York Times article about that, about the tribe of pain. If you're a member of that, you will never judge another human being in the way that you would have judged them before you went through this experience. And that is the gift of going through this. That is the gift of it. And that's a huge gift. I think sometimes we do more harm with our judgment than with any yeah. other thing. Um, and it's interesting because when you're, when you're traveling in the, the circles of spirituality, I don't hear it much anymore, but I used to hear it. If somebody got sick or had a serious problem of some kind, the judgment was, oh, you must not be spiritual. And I couldn't oh. understand it then. I don't understand it now. But but you heard it a lot. Uh, oh, you must not be that spiritual then. Because I, I assume that if you were spiritual, you had a perfect life. I, I don't know oh. whether that was the thinking oh. or not. Uh, I haven't found that perfect place yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, this, you this never. is some years ago that I kept... Hearing that, um, and I'm thinking, isn't that the strangest, strangest conclusion to get to? Yeah. How do you see the difference between religion and spirituality? Because there is a difference. You know, I think that's such a great question, Irene. And it's a difficult one. I'm going to give you a minute to think about it and let us go to break. When we come back to break, we're going to take that one on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Catherine Ketchum. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. 
Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Today we're talking with Katherine Ketchum. We're talking about experiencing spirituality And before the break, I threw the question at her, what does she see as the difference between religion and spirituality? So go for it, Kathy. (laughs) Okay, so Stefan, okay, I'm going to be sort of quick about this. So religion involves boundaries. Dogma, doctrine, believers, non-believers, members, non-members, spirituality pushes those boundaries aside to look at commonalities. What what do we have in common as human beings? Um, what, where do we connect? What what do we need from each other? I think that's I think that's the basis of religion. Nothing is bad. Religion gets many pe- many people into great places, but spirituality is different, and I think that's important. And, and they're not mutually exclusive. No, but. no. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive, but spirituality gives you a lot of playroom. I don't mean that in in the sense of we're just joking around, but you you have a chance to, I guess, experience the depth and breadth of who you are Mm -hmm. without all those boundaries. One of the things you talk about is that the hallmark of recovery and spirituality is gratitude. Um, can you say just a couple of words about gratitude, and then I want you to tell us a few stories. Sure. Uh, I think gratitude begins in the vision of how much we have received, of how gifted we are. And I'll revert back to that story that David Brooks tells. Out of the blue, there are we see things, and there's that sense of wonder. It does. It's trivial. It doesn't have to be magnificent. Um, 
But the only re- appropriate response to that vision is that we need to pass it on. We need to gift others, to give that gift to others. We pay it forward. We pass it on. And as Ernie would say, goodness spreads. Yeah. You know, when you just even look around and, and with awareness and have any idea of all the wonderful things you have, you know, it kind of takes your breath away. Oh, it does. Tell us a couple of your favorite stories. Okay. Well, I have. I'm going to tell you two. So, the Sufi tell a story. Past the seeker on the prayer rug came the crippled and the beggar and the beaten. And seeing them, the Holy One went down into deep prayer and cried, Great God, how is it that a loving Creator can see such things and yet do nothing about them? And there was a long silence. And suddenly, and whether you believe in God or not, this works. God said, I did do something about them. I made you. And I feel like what that says, and everybody can take whatever meaning they want from that. That's the thing about stories, is nobody can tell you what they mean. But we're here. (laughs) You know, we can't wait for something else to to change us. We're here to, to help each other. So my other favorite story, and I think this is one of Ernie's favorite stories as well. So a person died and stood before God, and God asked, where are your wounds? And the person answered, what wounds? I have none. And God said, was there nothing worth fighting for? Whoa. Oh, I love that story. So do I have time to tell a longer story? You do. Okay. <laughs> you do have time. Okay, so a big, tough samurai once went to see a little monk, and he said, teach me about heaven and hell. And the monk looked up at this mighty warrior, and he said with utter disdain, teach you about heaven and hell? I couldn't teach you about anything. You're dirty, you smell, your blade is rusty, you're a disgrace, an embarrassment. Get out of my sight. I can't stand you. And the samurai was furious, so he shook. He got all red in the face, and he was speechless with rage. He pulled out his sword, raised it above him, and he prepared to slay the monk. That's hell, said the monk. The samurai was overwhelmed. This compassionate little man had offered his life to give this teaching to show him hell. He slowly put down his sword, filled with gratitude. And that's heaven, said the monk. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I read that one, that... That one is very moving to me. You can tell one more little tiny one if you have, if you want to. Do you have another one there? One. Let me see. Okay, so it's not tiny, but I'll try it. Time okay. before time. It's two Your brothers. Time. 
had no more time when the world was young. Two brothers shared a field in a mill. Each night they divided evenly the grain they had ground together during the day. Now, as it happened, one of the brothers lived alone. The other had a wife and a large family. And one day the single brother thought to himself, Is it really fair that we divide the grain evenly? I have only myself to care for, but my brother has children to feed. So he took some of his grain to his brother's granary. But the married brother said to himself, It isn't really fair that we divide the grain evenly, because I have children to provide for me in my old age. What will he do when he is old? So he took some of his grain to his brother's granary. And then one night, the two brothers met between their two houses and realized what had been happening, and they embraced each other in love. The story is that God witnessed their meeting and said, This is a holy place, a place of love, and here it is that my temple shall be built. And so it was. And this is the line that just gets me every time. The holy place where God, love, whatever you want to call God, is made known, is the place where human beings discover each other in love. Oh, wow. (laughs) The powerfulness of stories. Oh, don't they change your life? (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. (laughs) That takes us right up to my asking you the question. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today, Catherine? You know, I thought about this a lot. Um, and I think, I think I'd like to, to think about Ernie here. Um, he turned prepositions into verbs, so beyond and between. So spirituality beyonds us urging us to reach beyond ourselves, to understand that we are not in ultimate control, to let go of our attempts to have all the answers, and then to experience a sense of awe and wonder at the beauty and the fragility of life. And then there is between. We're here not just for ourselves, but for each other. We're here to care, to love, to help, to listen, to comfort, to laugh, to cry, For we connect at the broken places where grief, sorrow, loss open us up to the need that we have for each other. I think the ultimate spiritual truth is that we cannot do it alone. In this journey that we call life, we need each other. That's what I'd like to leave with you. And that's Ernie. That's, that's, that's. The person who changed my life. (laughs) What a lovely thought to end on. Thank you. Kathy, it's been absolutely delightful having you on. I think we've all grown from what you had to say. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been absolutely a delight. Thank you. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Catherine Ketchum, saying thank you so much for being with us today. And I encourage you to come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. 
Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.